Hey everybody, welcome to episode 70 of Making It. I'm Bob Claggett, here with Jimmy DeResta. Hello everybody, thank you for having me. <laughs> Thanks for coming back. It's good to good to have you as a guest again. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm the guest that I'm the guest that never leaves. <laughs> and David Picciuto. Hey, what's going on? Oh, not much. Hey, thank you, you for having doing? me too. Oh yeah, sure. Um, thank you for being on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you don't get paid for being on the show, right? Oh, oh. Where's my agent? <laughs> I don't know. How's it going? Very good. I just put out. Uh, since we last spoke, I put out the pencil video. Have you guys seen that? Yes. Super cool. Mm-hmm. It was, they look so, so cool. I'm really happy with the way it came out. And uh, I've gotten a really good response. The video that I put out before that, the bent laminated wooden spoons, I got, it was kind of disappointing. Uh, I, hmm. I didn't get the response that I that I wanted. And I guess you can't hit a home run every time. And so it felt good when I put out the, the pencil video that everybody seemed to love, to love it and share it. And so this week I'm working on a little experiment. I don't know if you guys can have any suggestions. Uh, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a, a 3D skull. And I'm going to use, I'm going to slice it up in one, two, three D make, and then I'm going to laser cut the slices of the skull on the laser cutter out of foam core. Then I'm going to glue them all together oh, into right the on. skull. And then uh, I got some modeling clay, the, the air dry modeling clay that I'm going to coat the whole thing with. So when it dries, it has like this heavy clay feel. Not something I've ever done, but I think it'll be okay i don't know if you guys have any insights or suggestions there was a, hmm. a, a thing called puzz 3d do you remember that it was like puzzles no, 3d no. by one of the gaming oh, companies yeah, yeah, that, yeah. but yeah that was there was one where it was like 3d puzzles and you make a thing but then there was one where it was just a big stack of of landscape cuts or rather should i say uh what do you call that map the topography map like topography yeah 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 topography typography is different right yeah topography (laughs) (laughs) all letters (laughs) topography would be uh you know that's what you're talking about basically just slices of the uh of the pie yeah and then uh yeah yeah and then i want to coat that with modeling clay so i can kind of sculpt it and get rid of that paper feel you know right so it'll be an experiment we'll see how it comes out and are you wanting it to harden? Are you, are you yeah. using like the clay that'll harden on the outside? Yeah, yeah. You set it out to, to air dry. And so if you don't see this video by this weekend, that means it was a failed experiment. <laughs> <laughs> no, that sounds like it would work. I think that yeah, would I work. Think so. You just gotta you just gotta make sure whatever it is you're 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 cutting is thick enough in proportion to the way you're sli- you're cutting up your slices on the internet. You know, right, on right. your program rather. Right. Mm. One yeah. two three D make is is pretty good. Like you, uh, you import your three D object. You say the thickness of your material, and uh, the size of the sheet that you're putting in, and it'll it spits out. Uh, it tells you exactly how many sheets you need and and everything, and then gives you registration points to glue everything back up. And it's 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 a pretty slick program and oh. free. Wow. So is that one made specifically for laser? I mean, that's like the goal of it. Uh. I never use that one. I thought you. I thought it was you that that told me to check it out. Um, it is just made. It's made for. 
uh, I don't think it can output directly to the laser, but it will output like vector graphics. So you can oh, you can right. then you can cut it out by scissors or exacto knife, or then you could take that vector file to the laser cutter. Gotcha. Or even a hmm. CNC machine. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Now I've used the some of the other one two three like one two three D design is the one that I've used, and ah. it's a, like a three D modeling, but it's all in the same family. I, right. There's a bunch of them. So. And uh, we'll get to see those guys out at Maker Fair. They, yeah. they have a booth there every year. Yeah. Oh, you know, we talked about, um, a few weeks ago, we talked about Fusion, mm-hmm. Fusion yes. 360, and that's also made by Autodesk, the same group of people. Um, and I was I had mentioned that I didn't actually have any experience with it. Like, I opened it once, got really confused by it, and was like, oh, this looks awesome, but whoa. you know. So I yes. uh, put it away. Lots to know. And... So I got a, an email from somebody at Autodesk this last week saying, hey, can we sit down and I can give you like a walkthrough of the application? And I'm like, absolutely. So yes. I'm really excited because later this week I'm going to sit down with like one of their evangelist type guys and he's going to kind of give me the you know quick and dirty on how to use it, uh, which I think is what I need to actually like get in and, and start really using it. Because I keep hearing from so many people who do CNC and 3D printing and whatever that like, this is awesome. Like you need to learn how to use this app. So I need yeah. to learn how to do that. I need, <laughs> I need an angel. Yeah. It's so much better I, when there's somebody there number. to hold your hand. Uh, cause, yeah. and I relate to that when I, when I got my lathe, I'm like, well, I'll watch a bunch of videos, but then my buddy Sean came over and he's just like, this is what you need to know. And then I was so much more mm-hmm. confident when there was somebody right there to show me, mm. show me the ropes. Well, that, that's exactly what happened with me when I bought that, uh, that CNC machine. And I was all nervous to even, like I, I had a lot of problems with it. And I finally sat down with somebody at ShopBot at Maker Fair, and she gave me like a 10-minute lesson on the software, and I never had to speak to them again. I totally knew what I was doing. <laughs> After like 10 minutes. You were on your way. <laughs> prior to that, I was just nice. uh, prior to that, I was just guessing and trying to figure it all out. But she just like literally said, do these five things. And I was like, oh my God, now I can figure everything else out. Mm. Yep. Be- before you tell us what you're working on, since we were talking about Maker Fair, you mentioned that. Uh, let's hit that real quickly. Um, Maker Fair is coming up. By the time you hear this episode, it will be the following weekend, right? So it's right around the corner. Um, three of us are going to be there. A bunch of other people from YouTube are going to be there. There's a bunch of really cool talks scheduled. I was looking at the schedule today, trying to find our talk so we, I could say like where and what time. And it's not on the schedule yet. And I think there's still some holes that they're trying to fill, like they're yeah, moving things around. Yeah, they change it up the last minute. Did you happen to see me on a schedule with anybody? I did. I saw you. You have like three or four talks, just so you Oh, know. I do? Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> I just told, I just said, just put me wherever you want. <laughs> That's what I told them. I said, I don't care. Yeah, said, so use me if, wherever, if you guys use are, me up. If you guys are going to meet Jimmy or talk to Jimmy... <laughs> do it when you have a chance because he's going to be very busy. <laughs> but yeah, so oh, yeah. I don't know exactly where our talk is going to be or when it's going to be or any of that stuff. Um, they have an app and on the website they have the schedule. So, you know, you can keep track of it there. But we will all be there. A bunch of other people are going to be there and we're going to try to do um, a get together. We're going to piggyback on another event or crash, I guess would be another way to put it. I like that. Um, Inventables is having a, a get together at a pizza place and they did the same thing last year and we were at that one and um, it's open to anybody, but I think so that they know how many people are coming. Um, I'm going to put a link in the, in the show notes. And if you go there to their site and just do the RSVP, just so they know, you know, like how many thousands of people are going <laughs> to be there. <laughs> um, but we'll be there and that'll be a good place for us to get some pizza and hang out and, 
you know, whatever. And it's, David, you said it's within walking distance of the fair? Yes. Zach from Inventable says it's within walking distance. Awesome. So if it's not, blame Zach, not us. Not us. Um, yeah. So that's uh, Maker Fair, I guess. Wait, when is that event? Is that that's the Saturday night? That's, yeah, Saturday night after. Oh, good. Because yeah. I think, you know, I, I, told, I keep telling everybody I'm going to drive, but between Taylor's work and my work, we've just gotten so backed up to the last minute. We both decided we're going to fly to our our wedding in Colorado this weekend, and then we're going to fly back to New York and back to Mega Fair. So we're going to be flying. Oh. We're going to take a. So does that mean you won't ha- later in the? Summer. Does that mean you won't have the big ass knife with you? No, I don't think so. Hmm. I'll have my big ass backpack, but that my big ass knife. Hmm. You could ship it. You can. I mean, if that's Ooh. something you really wanted to be out there, you know, you could ship it to somebody at Make. And- <laughs> I don't know if I should be carrying that around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> you carried around an axe last year, yeah. so you know. Oh, that was just like I was looking like the Tin Man. If I pull that knife out, I'll get shot by some LAPD, San Francisco PD. They'll shoot me and then ask questions later. They'll say he All had right. a big ass knife. <laughs> he had a big ass knife. We had to shoot him. Um, <laughs> what, what am I working on? I'm building a chicken coop. I just got back from Louisville. Me and Dave were in Louisville. Kentucky setting up some stuff you could see on Dave's uh, Dave Weld has been doing some vlogs of our trip to Louisville. We just kind of filled in uh, some of the craftsmen were on the road and they needed just emergency craftsmen. So Dave and I came to do whatever they needed. We built this big giant boxwood hedge wall and a bunch of other things. And uh, it was just a lot of um, like emergency, like marketing show setup stuff. It was a lot of fun. And uh, all the people from, uh, from Stitzelwell are always so good to us, so thank you for that. Um, and now I'm back in the city, and I started making a chicken coop in my backyard. Anybody following me on Snapchat knows we have about 12 chickens now. And they literally, if you stare at them long enough, you'll see feathers sprout. They grow so quickly. It's really amazing. Hmm. And uh, so I was like, we're going to need a chicken coop soon. And so I just built the Taj Mahal of chicken coops. It's not quite <laughs> done yet, but it's... Uh, and uh, minute by minute, tells giving me uh, notes and examples from the internet the way it's supposed to be. So we got into like seven fights, but we're still together. So Aww. <laughs> don't lose your girl over chickens. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, it would be the chicken coop. It's a different thing. But uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. no, but uh, t- so in the video, you'll see Taylor helping me move and carry and cut and do stuff. She's I'm teaching how to use the circular saw and the nail gun. You know, the Pazlo nailer. Getting some good field experience in this one awesome that's cool. it yeah um well let's see for me i have been making well last week actually the day the last show went out i put out a video um about my grandfather and it was me in his shop just trying to do some stuff uh while we were there in kentucky with him and i restored or made a new handle for one of his saws and um i wanted to kind of publicly say thank you to everybody who commented on that video and on the show and sent me emails. There's a huge amount of like condolences and just really kind words from people. It was awesome. You guys are the best. Uh, so just thank you for all that support. I've, I felt super supported uh, recently because, you know, going through all that stuff and you guys are awesome. So anyway, uh, thank you yep. for that. Um, but since then I made a wallet out of a, Atari game. What? What? Yeah. So I, um, I was on, I did the pot, this podcast with a guy named Matt Neff a couple weeks ago. Actually, when I was on my way to Kentucky, we did it while I was in the car. So the, the audio is horrible. It's my fault. 
But um, at the end of the conversation, he was like, he's a big video game guy. And he was like, you know, I've always wanted a wallet made out of an Atari game. And I'm like, what? That's a really good idea. I've never seen that before. So I intentionally didn't look up to see if anybody else, he said he had seen them online, but I didn't want to like rip anybody off straight. So I didn't look it up um, and came home and last week on, or yeah, this past week on my Twitch stream, I prototyped one which is something I never do. I never prototype things beforehand. Well, typically I don't, but this was like a full start to finish build with the help and the feedback of the people watching the Twitch stream, which was super cool. cool. So I got to like build it and be like, okay, what do you guys think about this? And they were like, Oh no, you know, put the strap this way or no use, don't use hinges or whatever. And it was awesome. I got some really great feedback kind of in real time. So I built a, a full prototype and then after the fact, just spent the next day and built one from scratch and it turned out way better because of the feedback. Um, this is it. You guys can't see it, but so it's, uh, oh. it's, you know, opened up, it's got some elastic, it's got like a 3d printed oh, cool. money clip in it. It's got, it's, it's awesome. And I, I am actually carrying it in as my wallet now and I that, really like it. Is that ET? So no, I do have an, ET. It, this is, is this is an moon Atari, controller. it's an Atari game. Is that what that is? Yeah, yeah, it's the game cartridge oh, from the cool. Atari. That's so, awesome. so that's what's coming out this week for me, um, and I'm you know starting on the next thing that'll be out. But um, yeah, so that's what I've been up to. That's really cool. Yeah, it was a fun, quick, easy project. Like you don't need much, you know. You said that you did not look online because you didn't want to um, be influenced by somebody else who's already done it. And I've that, that's a kind. Of, maybe we can talk about that just for a second. Because it's a yeah. conflict that I deal with sometimes. So, and I, the 3D thing that I'm doing now with the modeling, with the modeling clay, I have purposely not looked. I have never seen it, and but I'm not going to look because I kind of want to learn from this. But in the past, I've usually looked online for inspiration and then not tried to copy, but tried to use that to turn it into something else. How, how do you guys normally feel about looking online for inspiration? Me, I, well, I, I always mean, go me, right away. I always go check right away to make sure that I'm not going to jump and make a video exactly like. I try to. And uh, the funny story, Dave, that's how you and I met. Do you remember I made a stool video? And then mm-hmm. I looked online and yours showed up. Oh, yeah. And yours was very similar to mine. And I wrote to you and I was like, hey, dude, I just want you to know I wasn't copying you. You know, mad love and respect. I just made mine coincidentally the same as yours. And that's our first conversation. Hmm. That's funny. I didn't, I'd forgotten about that. We've been in love ever since. <laughs> that's right. Love at first comment <laughs> uh, for me for me i um i intentionally don't go looking for things unless there's a problem that i can't solve like something i just like i don't have any clue how to start this and i do that for a couple of reasons i mean it's kind of a catch-22 because you know as soon as you put a video out somebody goes oh well so-and-so did it here and they did it like way better and you look at it and you're like oh yeah they did do it way better so you don't always get I don't well, I'll speak for myself. I don't always get the best result relative to what other people have done hmm. um, because I didn't look for, you know, the problems that other people have already solved. But for me, like the reason I make this stuff and the reason I like making the videos is not to end up with a perfect finished product. It's to learn and solve the problems through the process of making it. Right. So it'd be, you know, it'd be very different if like, you know, like you were talking a few weeks ago, Jimmy, about making the Sam Louf chair. That's something that you don't just like avoid inspiration and make that, you know, 
that's something you go and you try to replicate and you try to figure out like the best way to do the thing to make it look like you want it. You know what I mean? The end goal is the yeah. goal, right? Uh, for me, it's not. It's it's more process and problem solving and Adam, you know, coming up with ways to do things that I otherwise would not have needed to do. It's um, funny. Yeah. My my neighbor down the road, his name is Chad Stanton. He has a YouTube channel called Wood Chopping Time. And he's been making YouTube videos for way longer than I have. And um, for a while, he was, you know, he had, a, he had a really good viewership. I mean, he still does. But um, in a conversation I had with him, he says he, this was before I was making YouTube videos. He said he will, would not watch Steve Ramsey, would not watch um, Mark Spagnuolo because he did not, and he wouldn't watch any other woodworking videos except what's on TV because he didn't want to be influenced. And to me, I thought that was crazy. Like, why would you, hmm. why would you do that? Because YouTube and TV are two different platforms. You speak to the audience in a different way. And now I kind of respect that a little bit more, but I still like to have an idea of what other people are doing so I can make sure that I'm trying to be unique or teach something in a different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's, yeah, there's certainly a, a good reason to research and a good reason not to just kind of depends on, yeah. you know. I guess what your goal is. Cool. I mean, I, I do pretty much constantly get people going, well, okay, like I made the shovel guitar. I know that I wasn't the first person to do that, but I intentionally didn't go look for it because I wanted to figure it out on my own. Mm-hmm. And I've had so many comments going like, oh, this guy in Russia did it first. He was the first one. And they <laughs> give me the same video over and over. I'm like, that's fantastic. Yeah. I'm not claiming that I did it first. I yeah. just wanted to learn how to do it. You know what I mean? So there's kind of a difference there. But You just did it better. Apple didn't make the <laughs> well, first phone. They just made the first good phone. Well, that's, yeah, that's a good point. So, um, okay, cool. Um, the, one thing I wanted to throw out, totally w- random show this time, guys, in case anybody listening doesn't realize that's what's happening. <laughs> um, I have a little thing that that happened today that I wanted to kind of uh, point out, and then we got some like questions from Twitter. Um, so today, Amazon announced a video service that, anybody can upload their videos to. Yeah. And the immediate response from everybody was like, oh, they're going after YouTube and like you can have an Amazon channel now and you can whatever. So I, as I am, I can, I immediately set up the thing and went to check it out. And I, sorry to dash anybody's hopes of what it can be. It's called Amazon video direct. And my impression of it, I, I went through the process to try to upload a video and it's uh, a pain. <laughs> it's a huge pain. <laughs> but the the point of it, from looking at the way that they handle the uploads and the content and stuff, this is not geared as a YouTube competitor or replacement, in my opinion. This is like if you make a web series or you make, you know, like a documentary and you want to be able to publish that into the their ecosystem or whatever, that's what this is for, I think. Um, and I say that because... You cannot upload a video unless you have a caption file for it, mm. which is extremely rare to, I mean, for like, you know, individuals like us who are making videos to like need a, to have a caption file that's not automatically generated. I mean, it's possible, but it's not something most people would have. Is that just so so that people could turn the, the on-screen type on so they yeah. could read it? right. Whereas well, YouTube does so I'm that. I'm in luck. I don't have to talk. I'm good. Well, no, you still have to upload the file. So that's one of the things that doesn't make any sense. Like you would have to put a file of some but sort nothing? up there, I guess. <laughs> yeah, maybe it can be empty. I don't know. Tapping sounds. 
it's, tap, just, tap, tap, it's tap. like saw noise in brackets You're like <laughs> over and over and over saw noise um yeah but anyway so there's like you know you have to upload your art in 16 by 9 and 3 by 4 which is not 4 by 3 which is like an old school tv it's it's weird there's a bunch of weird stuff about it you have to add cast and crew at least one member um hmm so anyway it is a thing that i'm sure will be useful to some people in certain situations but i just wanted to throw it out there as like don't get your hopes up that it's like a a new youtube competitor because i i don't think that's what it's for yeah it could be the start of something that's part of a bigger picture down the road oh that's true yeah that's a good point vimeo never took over Vimeo's like the snobby uh i student film channel (laughs) right like what do people use vimeo for we used to use it in our agency before youtube had like private videos and um we wanted videos with like a password so we would pay the 50 dollars a year so we could make video edits and then privately share those with our clients but now you can do a lot of that with youtube now um there just seems to be more of like an art focus there it's not something where you I don't think they're looking for the vloggers. I don't think they're looking for, you know, somebody who makes homemade pencils. I think they want art films. <laughs> homemade pencils. But if you film them slowly with like, you know, sun cracking through the window. And the sawdust and yeah, yeah. 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 They would let you put it on there, right? Sure, sure. <laughs> They'll let you put <laughs> anything on there. They, they, you have to make sure that it doesn't work on an iPhone <laughs> and that when you open up the app, it crashes your computer. Those are the two. Those are the requirements. For Vimeo, yeah. Mm. Well, it's funny because my one of my recommendations today is a Vimeo video, and I thought about you when I found it. <laughs> Does it crash my iPhone when I open it? Because that's what I want. I don't know. We'll find out. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> All right. So let's uh, let's run through some questions. We got some questions. Hit me. Um, all right. Oh, let me get back to the bidding. Okay. From Tab Left Workshop, um, what what's your kryptonite? The part of the job, customer, or the build that you dread and you can't say sanding. <laughs> does that include all aspects of what we do sure because I, as far as the making i i i mean i don't enjoy sanding i don't enjoy finishing but it's better than everything a lot of other things that i could be doing i think uh there's the, the business part of it sucks big time i just really hate the taxes and i stress out for no reason everything always seems to work out um Sometimes I don't answer my emails in a timely fashion and it builds up and that feels kind of stressful when I have yeah. a bunch of emails I need to reply to because yep. I didn't because I didn't keep up with it. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I chose this to because this is fun. <laughs> hmm. My kryptonite would be the interior design client. The woman that knows exactly what she wants. Wants to see 10 swatches. She picks the swatch. And then when she sees that color, like, you know, and the size of a headboard, now it's, it was no longer, it's like it was the size of a matchbox. Now it's the size of a headboard. They go, oh, that's not the color I picked. And then, you, you know, your, your swatch disappears right against it. And then they go, oh, wow, I guess that is the color. Can we make it a little lighter, you know, now that the job's done and installed? Mm-hmm. So the interior designer is, uh, you know, uh, although I've made a lot of money with interior designers, working directly with an interior designer that has a picky client is, is a nightmare. It's just you can't can't make money so whenever i interview those clients i, I always say I'm, I'm interviewing them they're interviewing me 
you know, to see if I'm qualified or if I can handle the job. But at the same time, I'm deciding whether I have a really big job that will just going to take place in quotes. Cause you know, you could say anything to get out of stuff. I was like, you know what? I just got a job outside of the town. I have to leave the city and go California for a week, which means I don't want to do that job, but I just, you know, I want to be nice to them. So, mm-hmm. you know, that, that kind of client, a client that's just super picky because you know, no matter what you do, it's just going to have to get done three times. Yeah. You know, they're, they're hiring you for, your expertise and they should in theory trust your your judgment you i mean you should have it all worked out with the interior designer before executing and sometimes you know the problem is though sometimes they're hiring you to to make a pizza for them and they want a pizza (laughs) with mushrooms and spicy sauce and you know they want to make sure this isn't the same spicy sauce i had last time i ate at a restaurant well i don't work at that restaurant i don't know what kind of spicy sauce you know so a lot of times people will call me and say can you make a bookshelf that's black, that's six feet tall, two feet wide, and 18 inches deep? How much is that going to be? I go, this isn't a restaurant. You're not ordering a pizza. You're going to sit down. You've got to decide what kind of wood you want. You know, does your building need insurance? How, you know, am I going to get three parking tickets just visiting your house? You know, all this stuff goes into play. You're ordering a Duresta, not a pizza. Yeah. De it pizza. takes longer. The <laughs> <Da> pizza. <laughs> no, so that's, that's, you know, like a super picky interior design client. Hmm. Hmm. Bob? Kryptonite. Stay um, away. <laughs> yeah, stay away. I, that's Honestly, that stuff is one of the reasons I'm so glad that I don't really take on client work or like customer work or anything. If I do, it's for close friends, you know, and then I'm yeah. like kind of helping them out. But yeah, I'm glad I don't do that. I don't know. I think um, I'm not really sure what my kryptonite is. I, I think it's probably just general overwhelm with how much stuff I would like to be doing and versus how much time I actually have to do it. Um, and I was talking to somebody a couple days ago and I, I realized about myself that I also, <clears throat> I cycle some of that. So like, I'll go, man, I'm really busy. I should figure out a way to not be so busy. Oh, I don't have time to figure out a, a way to not be so busy because I'm so busy. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, so I'm like not giving myself the room to get rid of things or schedule better or whatever solution is Mm -hmm. i'm not giving myself the room to do that because i'm so busy but that just perpetuates the problem um and i also think that like i am probably not actually as busy as i feel like i am you know like i could be doing a better job at you know being more productive or whatever um so i think it's just like a general feeling feeling behind or feeling overwhelmed with like what i wish i could be producing i guess I don't know. Um, all right. So let's see. Here's from Neil. Neil makes it. What's one project you would like to do with someone else and with who? Mm. 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 <laughs> I think I have an answer. Okay. Um, I just, uh, I, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I'm a huge fan of Paul Cox, his, his work, his design. He's not really a YouTuber, but he's a really... Uh, amazing artist, fabricator, motorcycle fabricator. And I feel I would go to him as a total apprentice. I would just sit there and just keep my mouth shut and do exactly as he said. So I would love to spend a couple of days with him working on a project, just literally just to st- sit there and watch what he does because uh, his styling and his craft are, are just amazing. I, if I had to pick a style to live with forever, I, I would really always pick his styling, you know, for motorcycle building and, just the way he does things, his knives, just amazing. So Paul Cox would be the man. Yeah, I I don't have 
anybody in mind? I'm, I know for sure that it wouldn't be another woodworker. It wouldn't be uh, uh, somebody who works with metal. I, I would definitely want to do somebody who's focused purely on art and then to hmm. combine what I can build with, with their art. And frankly, there's so many great artists right here in my area that I'm friends with that I should be reaching out to, to, to do something. Cause I'm, I know they would, they would love to collaborate. Um, so I think it's just a matter of me finally reaching out. I mean, I have a collaboration video with, with the chef, uh, that'll be out in a couple weeks, but, um, ultimate collaboration projects, artist. Hmm. Awesome. I don't know about ultimate, you know, like what the one, but one that I can think of right now. Um, so, uh, uh, Bill Duran that we've talked about before, Bill makes props. Awesome. Uh, punished props is his company. So I had him on brain pick one time and I was asking him about like, what's a thing that you've always wanted to do a project that you've always wanted to make. And he said he wanted to make a full size snow speeder from star Wars. And as soon as he said that, I was like, Oh man, that would be so cool. <laughs> like, like just building a giant spaceship that didn't do anything, but just to make something of that size that was like, you know, totally out of your childhood or whatever. So I think Bill, you're probably listening cause he does listen to the show. I think we yep. should work together and make that, that <laughs> oh, snow speeder. Yes. Make it happen. It's on. I will do the, the heavy construction. You can do all the details and weathering and prop stuff and whatever and you can we'll teach each other along the way. Let's uh let's schedule that video for June twenty third. <laughs> okay. I guess we better get to work. <laughs> Bill's gonna be at uh at Maker Fair. Oh as well, cool. I think awesome. Yeah. yeah. Bill and I have been tweeting a little bit. Awesome stuff. Yeah, good guy. Um, all right, so let's move on. We got a bunch of questions here. We won't be able to do them all. Um, how do you manage unfinished projects? This is from Kenton. Kill them, shelve them for later, or dig in and finish them? Dig in and finish them. Yeah, me too. You just got to do it. Dig in and finish them after they've been sitting around for a year. <laughs> so <laughs> The problem is it, <laughs> so, it, it sticks in your brain, and it's going to bother you until you finish it. And you're not going to be able to give your full attention to the next project. So just finish them. Yeah. I always kind of feel like if I were to, I'm, I'm not opposed to throwing something away if it's just like a, you know, it's just not worthwhile or whatever. But I always feel like if I stop a project and shelve it, it's like there and it's, it's like a, it's almost like a bruise. Like mm -hmm. I'm going to feel that lack of finish in it, whatever I'm doing next. Mm -hmm. And so like, I have a really hard time just being like, all right, this is just going to go until someday when I get bored and I'm going to come back to it or whatever. I'm like. You know, I, I'll at least stew on it and try to figure out how to finish it in the meantime. But yeah, so Kenton, go finish it. Um, Doug wants to know the winning Powerball numbers for the drawing next week. And he says uh, he'll be sure to back on Patreon with his winnings. <laughs> so eight, nine, 89, 64, two, three, 81, six, five, two, one, three, four, seven. 929. Three. How many numbers are there supposed I, to be and what is the limitation? No clue. I'm sure they have to be all numbers. But other than no that, letters. <laughs> um, Hold on. I'm going to look up. I'm going to look up and we're going to make an official prediction. Oh, see really? Okay. Want. You look that up. This will be like one of those this will be like one of those group those group like when everybody at the uh, office wins like the, and then we're all going to win 50 cents. <laughs> <laughs> so if everybody in the podcast I, but, I kind of imagine that the uh, yeah, the Powerball is probably Enough that we could all get something out of it, but okay. I see Powerball. I, I see numbers up past sixty-six and 
There's five numbers and then a winning number. So I'm going to make a prediction. I'm looking at their website. I'm just going to pick random numbers. 16, 20, 40, 2, 6, 5. Is that five numbers? That would be six sure. numbers. <laughs> All right. The last number is the power. There you go. Number. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. You heard it here. Did anybody write that down? I'm going to go play it right now. <laughs> no, but we got it recorded. So, all right. Um, our buddy Brian wants to talk about business expenses and writing stuff off, owning a business, software for invoices and bookkeeping. I'm sure people don't want to hear too much of this, but anybody have any like suggestions for that stuff? Anything that's worked well or not worked well for them? I use something, and it surprises everybody. Even surprised my uh, tax guy, but I use GoDaddy bookkeeping. It's ten dollars a month, but it connects to everything it connects automatically to my bank account my paypal my etsy which i don't use anymore uh, uh, stripe and um uh, a couple other payment platforms and it, everything just goes in there and it works itself out uh, i can say anything from this place uh categorize it as this and it's it's like magic yeah i use I use uh, QuickBooks online, which it sounds very similar. I've just been using QuickBooks for like 15 years with business stuff. Um, and it does, yeah, it connects to all that same type of stuff. One of the things I really like about it, though, is that my accountant um, that I've used for years and years um, has always taken QuickBooks files. And since this one's online, I can just add his email address as an administrator or as a, an accountant or whatever. And so from his office, he can download my file at the end of the year, do what he has to do to do my taxes. So it's like really super hands-off mm -hmm. at tax time, which is, I think, wow. beneficial. But it's same. It's That's 10 bucks a month, cool. I think. And You know what I do? <laughs> I flatten all my files as I save them. So they go into a folder. And then at the end of the year, Taylor and I sit down and we take about two hours and we add everything up on a yellow legal pad. And I just give, I give my accountant an email with those six or eight, ten important numbers. You know, the gross, the expenses, broken down into different categories. So we just literally go through them and I'll just read off receipts. This is so old school. But I read off receipts and Taylor just types them into, uh, you know, a spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. And then we add them up. Yeah. Well, the first thing I do is I purge my box. I just write all the numbers down on a legal pad, like I categorize the receipts. So I just have a legal pad with like five stripes down the middle. So... The, this is all this type of expense. This is gasoline. This is rent. This is mortgage. And I write all those numbers down. And then Taylor puts them in a spreadsheet. And we just give him the numbers. It's so old school, but it takes about two or three hours at the end of every year. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, I, I guess like, uh, you know, one of these pieces of software like we use, it just automates some of that stuff for you. I guess, you know, it's the yeah. same, effectively the same thing. But I know like... In my case, <clears throat> anytime I make a purchase at Home Depot, it knows that that's a supplies supply purchase. And so I set that one time, and then from then on, it knows that for everyone. So I don't have to go in manually on, on each one of those. Well, you know what makes me nervous? I got audited many years ago, and I had to have paper receipts for everything. So I, I actually, prior to that, I always did save paper receipts, and I had all my paper receipts for that presentation that I needed to make. And so ever since then, I make extra sure that I have all my paper receipts. So when I buy things online... And I can never find the receipt. So if I buy something on eBay that's, you know, whatever, a couple hundred dollars, that's a, a, a tool or whatever, I take a yellow post-it and I write, bought this tool, this date, this much, and I stick it in the supply folder hmm. so that I could claim it. And then if I ever had to back it up, I'd go through my email and find that receipt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I don't like, I don't like printing a lot of things. It's just a pain in the ass. I never have ink and the printer just 
collects dust, so I don't really keep a printer around. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, I keep all those emails, you know, eBay emails and Amazon emails and stuff. They all go to a particular folder just for that same purpose. But then yeah. for paper receipts, I've got one of these little, um, I keep it right by my desk, and obviously if you're listening, you oh, can't yeah. see this. But it's one of these little folders with a, a little, uh, it's like a coupon folder. And there's a little tab for each month, so there's like a little slot for each month. And so all of my receipts from a particular month come out of my pocket. My back pocket is business receipts, always. And so, you know, whenever that gets full, I pull them out of my pants stick them into whatever month it was. And then at the end of the year, I've got all of my receipts in one little container. And if I ever need to find something, I at least, you know, know what month it was or whatever. That's basically what I do. Exactly yeah. The same thing. So that's a handy way to, and then at the end of the year, I just take this thing, put it in a box with the other ones and yeah. you know, they're kind of categorized. So and as far as other expenses, there's not a whole lot, especially for what we do, except for supplies that we need for our projects. And then a lot of software based stuff, um, you know, we have uh, Adobe every month, and um, every time Final Cut comes out with a new version, I'm I'm buying that. It's just a lot of computer computer based things. Yeah, a lot of subscription stuff. Like a lot yeah. of the, the software these days is all subscription based. So there's like ongoing purchase. I'm getting what but... is called subscription fatigue. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, totally. Yeah. Password fatigue. It's such a pain in the butt remembering all that stuff. Yeah. Yep. Um, as far as passwords, this isn't—they're not a sponsor or anything—but I've been using One Password, which mm-hmm. is a, an application. It's fantastic because it gives you like secure passwords, and you have one main password to get into this app, and then it will save passwords for all your all of your other stuff. Mm-hmm. Works from your phone, works across your computers, saves to Dropbox. It's really handy. So been using suggest. it for a couple of years ever since I got hacked. Oh yeah, yeah. I got. Yeah. Uh, I woke up one morning. This is when I still had the the nine to five, and I had a whole bunch of texts and emails saying, "David, are you okay?" Somebody hacked my Gmail account, and um, they went through my entire. They emailed everybody saying, "Hey, uh, I'm stuck here. Uh, please send me fifty dollars to to this address so I can uh. get, so I can get back home." <laughs> And wow. uh, yeah, and so after that, I bought one password, at, which I, maybe fifty bucks at the time. I don't know. I, to me, it was crazy expensive, but I'm like, I never want to go through that hassle again. Yeah, and it, it's been really helpful. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I was slow to to jump on it, um, but it it was totally worth the purchase. Yeah, and yeah, it's like a single license is sixty five dollars okay. now, so it's not cheap. But that's a like one time purchase, and then you're good. You know. They do get you on upgrades every two years or whatever, but it's it's oh, worth it. Yeah. Because yeah. not only do I keep all my passwords in there, but I also keep all my credit cards stored in there, and I also have secure notes. And so um, if I'm if I'm away and on my phone, and I don't always carry my credit cards with me because I don't use them very much. But if there's a time that I need them, I can actually get into my account, figure out what that is, and, and use that card. Hmm. It also will hold um, software serial numbers. So if you buy software and you don't want to keep that email or whatever that has the serial number that you need to re-download it on a new computer, you just put it in there so it'll hold your license, which is nice. Okay, cool. Um, Andrew asks if we could possibly slow down. He's only on episode three. (laughs) (laughs) Andrew, speed up. Sorry, Andrew. You can listen at like two times speed. Jimmy sounds hilarious at two times speed. You can't stop this train. I just figured that out. Um, Let's see here. What gift have you made that you're most proud of? Hmm. 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 
Hmm. I haven't really made a lot of gifts. Well, you know, it's funny. I, I just went to my, uh, I have a friend who's um, just had his 60th birthday party. And I went to his 60th birthday party in Virginia. That's when me and my brother were in Virginia on Snapchat. And when I, he just moved down there. So I went down there and he has like a museum of stuff. And I was in his space and he said, look, he goes, you made me that 10 years ago for my 50th birthday party. Hmm. And it was, uh, well, he's in the Hells Angels. And so he was like a, a high ranking member in the Hells Angels. So I made him this book with like metal. I totally, absolutely don't even remember making it. If you ask me, it's like, so it was his anniversary in the club and it was his 50th birthday. So I made him this thing with his name on it and you know, all the Hells Angels graphics and stuff, all made in aluminum, um, made in brass and steel, wood and leather. It was a big book. It was basically like a big scrapbook for him to put pictures and stuff in. And I totally, like, it was the first time it's ever happened to me. I looked at it and I said, I go, I made that? <laughs> he goes, you made this for me 10 years ago for my birthday. I said, I totally don't, I don't at all remember making it. I can't even like picture myself doing it. I totally, completely forgot making it. And I looked at this. I'm like, wow, this is pretty cool. I made it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not too bad. <laughs> he goes, yeah, you dummy. You made that for me. So anyway, so that, that was a funny, weird revelation. It was like the first time that ever happened to me that something was put back in my hands that, that I must have made in like two or three days getting ready for his, this event because he always has big parties. And uh, I, I just totally forgot that I made it. And I was like, oh, wow, I'm proud of making this. It's cool. Hmm. So that was a weird experience that having, you know, somebody hand you something and say, you made this, but totally don't remember doing it. Yeah, that wouldn't be weird. If you like it, that's, that's I pretty didn't, cool. I never, I, never, I, I never photographed it or anything. So like I never, it was like, it, if it's not in my iPhone, you know, or my, my iPhoto account, it's like gone. Hmm. You know what I mean? It's like out of my memory. And that, that was the experience I had. I'm going with my wedding rings. Um, I, like, like you, Bob, I don't make a whole lot of gifts, but... Uh, it's something that my wife loves and, and we get to wear every day. I'll, I don't have mine on every single day. Shame on me. But uh, yeah, I'm going mm-hmm. with the wedding rings. Nice. I, I I haven't made a lot of gifts. I One thing when I was in Kentucky recently, I did notice that my mom still had this little um, birdhouse that I made, I guess, when I was in college. You know, I was like, wow, I'm poor in college. I should make my mom a birdhouse oh. out of a piece of pine <laughs> and a paint it. And uh, she still has it like sitting on a shelf, you know, in the living room, which, so that That's was pretty cool. So my get, mother has everything that I've ever made. She keeps it all. Your video of your mom from Mother's Day was hilarious, by the way, <laughs> on Snapchat. Oh, God. I, I was just showing everybody the faces on Snapchat, and then a few minutes later, my mother was talking, so I was like, I wonder if it would work this far away. And I was, uh, so to those that, maybe I'll put it on my Instagram. I, it was my mom talking, well, she was just telling everyday stories about her sister and her my, my niece and her granddaughter. And my and I was putting funny faces on my mother, and I was I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> I got the giggles. I got the giggles, and I couldn't stop. So. <laughs> it was good. I'll, maybe I'll post it somewhere. Um. All right. So here's one from Sean Hogan. Uh, it's kind of a long comment, but basically he, uh, he finally bought like a nice camera to use for making videos, and so he was asking about like how do we go about uh, protecting our cameras in the shop. He was thinking about building a container for it. I know what the answer is from all three of us, but um, don't bother. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, his question was just like, how do we how do we protect it in the shop? When you get that first piece of dust on your CCD, and he's like, yeah, forget it. Yeah. Just always have a freckle on that side of the screen. Yeah. If you have a, I don't have a DSLR that I use anymore. But if you do have a DSLR, 
don't take the lens off in the shop because no, yeah, I never do. I never do. The the, the static electricity from uh, will will attract it and it'll go right on the sensor. Um, I don't I don't care. I do have a UV filter that I put on the end of my lens to protect the lens from it maybe getting smashed somehow. Um, but my camera's covered with dust. Dust is in everything. I know it's a temporary purchase. I hope I get two years out of it. Um, but I, it's it's working well. It doesn't seem to the dust doesn't seem to bother it. I do trip over the tripod every once in a while, and I'm afraid it's going to go crashing down and break. Mm. But I th- mm-hmm. it's it's something I've already mentally prepared for when it happens. Yeah, I mean, I kind of look at my camera gear. Like I do most of the things in the shop. It's like, you know, they're going to work until they don't work, and then I'm going to have to buy a new one. And that's just, just kind of the way it is. Now, that's a, a very, I mean, that's what we do for a living. So it's different for somebody who's like, this is a hobby, and they saved up $1,000 or whatever to buy a camera. And, you know, I mean, I totally understand. It's, I don't, I don't want to be like, you know, diminish that by us saying, yeah, oh, it's just a business well, expense. But the, the idea of the inevitable, it, 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 it's, in the example, when I was telling you guys, I'm like, I want to buy a digital SLR. I think I might buy one used. And Dave, you right away go, you want to buy my kit? I'm like, yeah, I'll buy it right now. It was like, that was that fast. So I've been using your kit. Everyone loves, you know, the, the quality of my videos is from your camera. You know, I moved up to a digital SLR did, about a year and a half ago. Did um, did the, the tweeter, did he say what camera he got? No, didn't. Because the higher end Sonys and the higher end, or not Sonys, but the higher end Nikons and the higher end Canons are weatherproof. And so hmm. you can't you can't drop them in a pool of water, but you can use them out in the rain. You can use them in extreme hot and cold conditions, and it's usually the higher ends uh, ones. And typically, they should be dust proof, but dust will still get into the um, the rings and everything. But uh, if you got a higher end one, he probably doesn't have anything to worry about. Hmm. And if you're yeah, not using it in your shop every single day. If you know, if he's just a hobby woodworker, I, you have nothing to worry about. Yeah, mm-hmm. and as far as like, like the lenses, I mean, I have a wide angle attachment that I use on one of my because I have a micro four thirds camera, so it's a small lens. I have a wide angle attachment that's not that expensive. It was just like an add on, and that thing, <clears> if you look at it up close, it's got burn marks in the glass from sparks that came off a grinder one time and there's pits like i mean you can see them from like a foot away there's pits in there now you can't see it in the video quality Hmm. so that's a case where like the thing is damaged but not damaged to the point to where i need to really replace the lens or anything it's you know it's fine so i guess there's a line there somewhere where these things are going to get dirty they might even get broken but they also might still work just fine (laughs) you know in those conditions um, Did I, I might have mentioned this story once. I was doing an episode of Hammered, and they used to rent these very expensive cameras. These like, like when digital first came out, we did Hammered two thousand and five, and I was grinding, and they got real close to me while I was grinding. And then like after lunch, they were all like all the cameramen were all crowded around the camera, and there were like a big heavy like silent discussion going on. I went over, I said, "What's up, guys?" They go, "We burned the lens with your grinding. We don't know how we're going to explain this away mm. when we return to the rental company." And they were talking, there was like a, there was just one little spot. They were filming, looking at the monitor to see, cause it made like a little, made a little star, like a, mm. like a light haze. You know, when it hit light a certain way, you could see exactly where the grind mark was. And it was, it was a real big serious deal. Cause they're like, this is like lenses, thousands of dollars. You have to return it mm. and explain what went wrong. And that's why you buy the renter's insurance when you rent that stuff. 
Yeah, that's why you yeah. buy you know a GoPro for two hundred bucks. <laughs> well, and like you you know David mentioned the UV filter. That's a good way to to protect against that type of thing. Um, in my lens, exactly. particular instance, exactly. like it's it's a weird size and it doesn't have any rings because it's a wide angle extension. So I can't get a UV filter to add to it. Mm. But if you have a standard lens with you know an extension with the uh, threading on the end of it, you know a UV filter is literally like two or three dollars, I think, and it will protect the the end of your lens from a lot of stuff. So that's like a worthwhile investment. The funny story is these guys are all trying to decide how to lie about why there was no UV filter on the camera. They're oh. all trying to figure out. That's what they were all doing. They were all trying to like, they were, and they were whispering so that the producer didn't hear it because the producer, the line producer is the one in charge of the money. And so they were all trying to like figure out like, okay, what's our story? Why do we say there was no UV lens on it? Why like, <laughs> we say the camera was sitting alone. No one knew it was filming <laughs> or that it was sitting near the action, you know? Hmm. Anyway, they're all trying to alleviate the blame. Gotcha. All right, let's do, uh, how about one more? All right. Um, this one was from Chris. And basically, he was asking about, you know, most people who have a table saw will eventually make a crosscut sled and maybe a finger joint or box joint jig. But are there other um, table saw sleds that would be useful to make that are that you can get accurate enough to make on your own versus buy? Like, what are some other Frame. ways? Frame jig, a spline jig. David's got some good videos on those. Things. Yeah, yeah, and you can buy them. You can make them. It's really where you want to spend your your energy on. Like sometimes I'm in the mood to make my own, and sometimes I really just don't have the desire to make that jig, and it's easier to buy. Sometimes the jigs are expensive. Sometimes they're cheap. Um, but uh, man, there's so many. There's so many. There's there's jigs to hold the the workpiece. There's like feather boards, and then the the board buddies that hold the wood down. Uh, you can make all these yourself, but sometimes it's easier to buy the the store bought ones because they're smaller and they're kind of more out of the way. It's a personal preference. Yeah, I, I improvise most of that stuff. I mean, I have I have finger joint jigs and stuff like that, but I always end up just making them over again because when you switch blades, you have to adjust everything. So, yeah. yeah, I actually put a blade on the saw the other day. Actually, welder bought a blade for the for the saw stop, and the blade itself is thinner than the kerf. The, of the uh the riving knife the uh the riving knife so i so i'm like i couldn't figure out what was getting tight it didn't didn't occur to me right away actually i was able to move the uh with a with a little tiny shim like a, those thin shims that come with your dado set mm -hmm. i was able to shim the blade over a little bit and then get rid of that pressure that was on the riving knife oh wow huh. the idea is that uh every time you if you even if you buy the same blade from the same company sometimes it doesn't you're your finger joint jig won't work as well as it did the first time you set it up. So I often just make them over with the blade that's on the saw. Yeah. I think generally, um, you know, if there's a jig that you think you're only going to use one time or something that doesn't need to be terribly precise, like I have a just a hold down jig that's like a piece, it's like a board on a runner with two hold down clamps. And it's for kind of a joining sled where you can, yeah. you know, and that, that's a good one. I, that took like literally five minutes to make and is so useful and I haven't used it a bunch of times, but it was really easy and, and has worked well. But then there's other stuff that like, I know I won't ever be able to, or I wouldn't want to put in the time to get the precision needed. Mm -hmm. And so for me, in that case, it's like, that's not a place I want to go and it's easier to just buy a thing that does that thing. Um, but you know, it all depends. Jake. Like it, yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, you, you can you can buy a taper jig and it has positive stops or there's so many videos to make your own. Yeah. And it kind of depends. You know, some people really love getting that precision and like that's a that's a pursuit that they enjoy. Uh, for me, uh, that's kind of a frustration because I, yeah. you know, if it's not totally right, I'm going to be irritated that I didn't get it right. I'm going to want to do it again. I certainly don't need to make a jig twice. <laughs> you know, that's <laughs> that's when I should have bought one. So. Um, as far as box joints go, uh, just a quick recommendation. I bought, I don't even know what the brand is, but I bought the, it's a dado set, but it's only two blades. They go face to face for a quarter inch and they go back to back for three eighths of an inch. And that's for just doing box joints. That's a really good set because you're never going to get it wrong. Mm-hmm. Like if you make a jig and you'd have the certain amount of shims because you're trying to get a certain thing and you go back to your dado stack, you're going to put it together wrong. So this other thing is either three eighths or quarter inch. It's a, it's a great set to have. I use it all the time now. Hmm. Nice. Cool. Well, um, that's probably good for all that. What are we watching? You guys watching? So there is this, uh, it's, it's a drum, like a musical instrument drum channel uh, called R. David R. And he is a woodworker. He watches all of us. And uh, he his channel is mostly about drums, but he he makes drums. He makes drum sticks. He experiments with different things. There's drum hacks, and it's just it's a really good channel. And uh, you don't even have to like drumming to enjoy it. There's some good maker things. If you like, if you're a maker, you'll enjoy the channel. That's called R David R. Nice. I'm gonna talk about two people that I've said talked about before, but only because they're on my mind. Uh, Paul Cox, who I've talked about today, and every once in a while, I, I get back into his Instagram when he starts because he doesn't always post, but when he does, he's got some great stuff. So take a look at Paul Cox's website and his Instagram. You'll see what I'm talking about. And then also I wanted to also thank Marco Trinizi. He finally sent me one of those little tiny planes and I Instagrammed it. And it is incredible. I was afraid to touch it. And the way he's just so meticulous, he wrapped it up in leather and and like a certain type of paper. He's he's so smart. He's such an amazing craftsman. And uh, so I looked at the thing, I took a picture of it, and I wrapped it back up exactly the way it came, <laughs> wrapped it back up into the leather, into the box, and I put it away. Because knowing me, I'll get a big fat thumbprint on it, I'll open it up in a week, there'll be a big tarnished thumbprint uh-huh. on it. So I didn't even touch it, I just held it by the wooden handle. So a little micro micro tools from Marco Trinizi, nice. he's on Instagram. You'll find him through my Instagram as well. Cool. Uh, another side note real quick about our David R. He is also known as Silent Dave. He makes music. Uh, David Welder has used a lot of his music. Oh, in his Welder video. uses them all yeah. the time. And I use yeah. it. I use one of his songs in one of my videos and everybody's like, oh, you're Silent Dave. I'm like, no, that's not me. That's this other guy. Check him out. <laughs> so. Awesome. Yep. Um, so somebody sent me a link earlier to a guy that goes by Four Eyes. And his name is Chris Salamone. I don't know if that's exactly how you pronounce it, but <clears throat> woodworking um, channel. Really, I watched one video today that I think was his newest one. Really, really well shot and well explained. Had a great, like, nice slow pace to it and a beautiful piece of furniture. Um, and I immediately was like, oh, wow, I'm looking forward to more more of this guy. Hmm. So uh, definitely go check him out. And, uh, you know, I think he's a relatively small channel, so be good to get some some more eyes on him because he's very talented. Um, had a really good flow to like the the way he explained it and stuff. I thought it was cool. The other thing is just because I think it's cool. It's like this crazy mixture of a bunch of stuff that I love. So this is the the Vimeo video. 
<laughs> Somebody did a title sequence for Empire Strikes Back in the style of James Bond titles with a Radiohead song behind it. And those are three things, like three of my favorite <laughs> media things ever. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I've always loved James Bond uh, movies and the titles and everything. Love Star Wars, love Radiohead. So it's a really, really well done uh, title sequence in that style. But I'll put a link to that in there. Um, cool. That's it, I guess. Uh, let's thank our Patreon supporters. Especially Make, Build, Modify, Elijah Taylor, Dominic DeFino, John Cornwell, Luis Gonzalez, and Jeremy White. They're our top supporters over there. Thanks, guys. We are always Thank grateful. You. Yes. Um, I got to meet John. He was a, in. He lives in New Orleans. I got to meet him when I was there for the Maker Fair. And uh, Luis is going to be at the Maker Fair in California, so we'll get to see him. Yep. Sweet. So, awesome. It's awesome that we actually get to, to meet these people and hang out with them. So. Yeah. Very cool. Um, yeah, I guess you guys got anything else for this week? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. One, four, three. That's it. <laughs> right on. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you next time. Thank you all. Peace and love.